Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Coffee and Crime. I am your host, Jack. Welcome back to the second episode of the podcast. Today's coffee is a half drunken ice white chocolate mocha again. Because this coffee drink is just so nice. Um, But today we are going to be talking about a missing person case that I have so much interest in. I really wanted to cover it. Um, this is the case of Andrew Gosden. Um, if you don't know who Andrew is, we will obviously we'll find out today because we're going to get into it. I'm really excited to do this case because I really want to tell Andrew's story and get it out there so people can more people can hear it and uh, more people can help in whatever way we can. But yeah, I wanted to tell the story because actually this is unsolved because of it being a missing person case. But I just re- just so interested in this case that I just w- really wanted to do a podcast on it. So yeah, go get your coffee, or if you have your coffee, just sit down and we'll get in. And then we're gonna get into the case today. But before we get into today's podcast, I just want to put a little disclaimer that I mean no disrespect to anyone I talk about in this case today. Um, and we thoughts and prayers go out to the Gosden family. So Andrew was it was born on the tenth of July, nineteen ninety three, and he was born to parents Kevin and Glennis Gosden. He also had a sister named Charlotte, um, and they were from uh, Doncaster in Yorkshire, in England. So um, both of Andrew's parents were both Christians, um, but they didn't baptize their kids because they they wanted to they want they didn't want to force their feet on their kids they wanted to like let their kids make their own choices and be be and if they wanted to explore their faith and be christians when they were older they let them do that he was also a cub school but he didn't really do it for long because he, he was described as to be a homeboard and um, he really left the house and he would when he did leave the house he wouldn't like just live without telling them where he was going like he'd always do that which made his disappearance even more strange andrew was also um really into like video games and like rock music um and he was also really gifted in skill like he had a hundred percent attendance record Um, he was also on the young gifted and talented program which was a, p- a program to enhance the educational development of the top five percent of skilled pupils i'm literally reading off the website here um and he was also expected to get really big marks like all a's in his gcses so he was a really smart child Um, he was also pri- a prize-winning mathematician who uh the same who seemed like he was gonna go places in life they thought he was gonna go to cambridge and he was they every he was just a really smart kid um he was also really neutral in school, like he didn't mind it. Like, um he also was hoping that like the new school year would have been like a bit more difficult because he was like cruising through because he was he was that he was that smart. Um and he didn't really say much to his parents about what, what he did in school. He was really for for a fourteen year old he was really private. Um and during the two thousand and six summer holidays, Andrew actually attended a two week residential school at Lancaster University, which was a part of the Young Gifted and Talented program. The summer school was for kids from all over England, from about eleven to sixteen, who were also in the top five percent. And like 
Andrew's parents said that he returned from the school in tears uh, about what he'd been doing there. And again, he didn't really say much about what happened there. But keep that camp in mind because I there's theories about his like disappearance that will come up later on involving that um thing. I don't really like to talk about theories, but there's no there's, it's a disappearance, so there is going to be theories, not facts. But well, there is facts, but more theories because as I said, it's a missing person case. Um. He also really liked his own company. Like he didn't ha- he he did have friends but he just he preferred to be on his own. Um and he didn't actually show any signs of having depression and they his family said that they they didn't he didn't have any indications that he was being bullied in scale. So he they just thought everything was alright. He was described as not being real street smart. He was also a bit of a vulnerable, and his teacher said that he was he was wise and he was he was mature for his age. Um, and he did a lot of people said Andrew did not look his age. He didn't look fourteen. He looked younger. Um, about twelve. He wore strong glasses. He was deaf in his left ear, and he had a double ridge on his right ear. So it was. It was like he was pretty like you could recognize this chap um he also had light brown hair and he was planning to actually die before he went missing um and he was as i said at the start he was very interested in video games and metal bands and when he was actually last saying he was wearing a slip a slipknot t-shirt black chains trainers a watch on his left wrist carrying a black canvas satchel with patches of rock and metal bands on it so now we have like the a bit the description and the background of Andrew. Now we're gonna um I'm gonna read through the events leading up to his disappearance. During the during the two thousand and seven summer holidays, that's a tongue twister. Um, his his parents suggested that he go to London to stay with his nanny, but he chose not to go, and this was to travel on his own. Um. And at the time of, of the disappearance, he was only a week back into school. And actually, another thing I forgot to mention, he was very particular about his routine. He would never break it up until a, literally a couple of days before his, his, he went missing. He broke his routine twice, um, which was strange. Um, and like even his parents said that he was strange because his school was four miles away from his house. That's about six kilometres. Um from so it would have taken around an hour and 20 minutes to get home so it was it, it was normally it was a bit it, they, they thought it was strange because he'd normally get the bus but he actually walked home from school in a couple of days leading up to his disappearance and andrew's dad uh, actually said that nothing really happened the night before because it was a really uneventful night according to him they ate dinner together um as usual they all washed the dishes afterwards that Andrew spent an hour making a jigsaw with his dad and then they watched some comedy together on telly include Mock the Week and the Mitchell and Web Look with his ma. Um and like they were such a close knit family. Like they did everything like he was Andrew was even called Rao by uh by his family. But also keep that name in mind for later on in the case because it has an involvement later on. But now we're up to the day of the disappearance. So on the morning of um 
the 14th of September 2007. Um, it was said that it was actually really difficult to wake Andrew up that morning and he seemed irritable. And normally, as I said, Andrew was very particular about his routine. So he'd normally be up and all by now and then he'd be dressed, eat his, eat his breakfast and he'd be out the door by half eight. No, actually, I got that wrong. It's actually E. He'd normally be out the door by eight o'clock and... But at eight oh five, Andrew was out of the house and he was walking to Westfield Park, um, where his usual, where his normal bus stop would be, and he was witnessed by a family friend, uh, Reverend Reverend Alan Murray, uh, who was sitting on the bench in the park. But instead of taking the bus, uh, Andrew diverted from his usual route and walked to a cash machine at a local garage. He took out two hundred pounds from his bank, which was almost all of the money. He had two hundred fourteen in the, in the bank, but the ATM would only allow withdrawals of twenty pounds in that day. Um, and then Andrew was also captured on a neighbour's CCTV system returning home. So we're up to around probably half eight by now. Um, and then they walked home, and Andrew got his t- took his uniform off, did everything he'd normally do. He took his uniform in the washing machine and put the blazer on the back of the chair because that's something Andrew would always do. So he took his wash, he took his uh, uniform off, put it in the washing machine, put the blazer on the back of the chair. Then he changed into his clothes, which was uh, as I said earlier on a black snip, a slipknot t-shirt, black jeans, and a satchel with loads of rock bands and heavy metal bands. Um, and he also took his wallet keys and a, a PSP. He didn't have any. He didn't take anything with him because not nothing else was uh, identified as missing. But he also didn't take his passport with him, um, and he didn't take the charger for his PSP. And um, Kevin Andrew's dad uh, said that he left around a hundred pounds in cash that he'd saved up from his birthdays, which maybe forgot about. Maybe just didn't take it with him. But by uh, half a Got, uh, Andrew left his house and was seen heading down Little Moor Lane towards Westfield Park on the same neighbour's CCTV footage from earlier on. He then walked to Doncaster Railway Station and purchased a one-way ticket to London which cost £31.40. And the ticket seller actually tried to say to Andrew, would you not buy a... Would you not buy it? It's like a return ticket. It only cost an extra fifty fifty cent, and he was just like, "Now he was insistent." The, the ticket seller said that he was insistent on buying just this one way ticket, and the but he just he didn't want a return ticket. We just bought a one way ticket. But then the ticket seller also said that it was only until after he went missing and he, she realized she was like, "I noticed he did look a bit young." too young to be travelling on his own and then and the rest of the of the rest of the people are like why did you sell him the ticket then if you thought if you thought he looked too young to be travelling alone why did you sell him the ticket that just baffled me so much because like why why would you sell him a ticket if you knew he looked if he if you thought he looked too young you like you legally can't travel alone when I'm not on a plane. Never mind. I'm talking absolute balls here. But by nine thirty five Andrew was saying um, boarding the train to King Cross Station alone, and a woman reported sitting next to Andrew, uh, who she she described as being quiet and engrossed in playing his video game. When uh, Andrew failed to attend morning lessons at school, his teachers tried to contact his parents. The school believed that they uh, they had called Andrew's parents and leaving a message informing them that he wasn't at school that day, but they actually rang the wrong number.
Like that's kind of that. That's they rang the wrong, um, the wrong, uh, the wrong number and left it on the wrong person's phone. So like, imagine if they hadn't have got if they hadn't rang the wrong number, would I would I even be making this episode today? I don't know. It's just kind of like mental. Could he, would he have went missing? Would they have got him in time? Um, but <clears throat> so he boarded boarded the train at. Nine thirty-five, and he arrived in at King's Cross Station in London at eleven twenty, and he was last seen on CCTV leaving the main entrance of the station at eleven twenty-five a.m. And this was the last time Andrew was ever seen. So that's scary. Cause also, fun little fact that I found while researching this: London actually has the highest. Uh, has the highest amount of CCTV footage in any country in Europe. The most CCTV cameras around, yet nobody picked up this, you know, this fourteen-year-old that went missing. And obviously, it's a big, it's like a big case. Not, it's not a big case, a big place. I'd say that. Um, and they just. Uh, right, I'm gonna just start rambling. Am I gonna? Move, I'm gonna talk about um the disappearance and the initial investigation of all of this so um that night uh andrew's family and uh, a family friend sat down for, for dinner thinking that andrew was either in the basement or the cellar playing a video game or in his room doing homework when the family when the, his family just uh found out that he wasn't in the house they just thought he was at a friend or a neighbor and just lost track of time so Andrew's man that fa- rang his friend, um, who told him that Andrew was actually not there and hadn't been a skill that day, and at around seven o'clock that night, the police were called. Um, Andrew's sister Charlotte stated, "Quote: It was just a complete panic. We initially thought something uh, must have happened on the way to school. When we found that we hadn't even been to school, even tried to go to school, that was even more worrying." Charlotte and Andrew's father, Kevin, scouted Andrew's route to school and areas nearby but found nothing. Within three hours of discovering Andrew's disappearance, a missing person leaflet was produced for circulation. Gosden, Andrew's family and friends searched the area until nightfall. The week, that weekend, the police searched the bushes nearby in Andrew's home in Doncaster but found nothing. So, at this point, his family still think he's in Doncaster. They don't know that he's gone to London. So he's there, and they obviously they have no idea because they wouldn't at that point. So they end up going looking around, and then it wasn't actually until three days later um, that the woman who sold Andrew the train ticket um, like reported to the police that oh yeah I sold him a train ticket a couple of days ago to London. And then the ticket seller at Doncaster remembered Gosden because he had refused the return ticket despite it only costing a little bit more than a single ticket. But also, I'm just going to like intervene and give a little opinion because even though I can't really give opinions, I still am. Because this case has been so like obsessed with Um Andrew was a smart kid. There's no way that he wouldn't have been able to like know that you'd still have enough money left if you'd paid for the extra 50 cents he was a math genius he knew what he was doing he knew that it would have cost him only an extra 50 cents and he'd still have enough money for whatever he took out 200 pounds for uh 
it, whether that be for a concert match because that's the theory that he went to London for a concert and then but I'll get into theories later on but they just it's they just he's a smart lad so the, the fact that he wouldn't that he like he knew that he how much it would have cost if he needed that much money it's I just think he knew that it would, he'd still, he could have still had enough money and but then I don't know. It's as I said, it's only speculation because we don't actually know what happened. Um but Andrew, Andrew's father then stated that the purchase of a single ticket rather than a return did not seem strange as uh, Andrew knew loads of people in, in London where he could have stayed with. In the initial search in London focused on the cry the Chiselhurst and Sidcup areas where the the, the Gosden family have relatives. Days after the disappearance, the family travelled to London and handed out flyers and posters in the vicinity of anywhere they felt Andrew would have been, got, had the interest in visiting, especially museums and exhibitions. Um, the South Yorkshire Police asked, uh, said it asked the British Transport Police to search the CCTV footage within two days of Andrew going missing, but the British Transport Police could not pick him out of the crowd. Three weeks later, CCTV footage at King's Cross was again revealed by uh, the British Transport Police and South Yorkshire Police, who identified Andrew and the CCTV footage of uh, Andrew leaving the main, inter- main concourse at King's Cross was cir- circulated in the media, accompanied by a close-up of his right ear, which had a distinctive double ridge. So, it took them three weeks to find to get the CCTV footage. That kind of answers that question to why there wasn't that many, that why there wasn't any CCTV footage because it took so long. Most of the CCTV footage from that day would have been wiped immediately. No, it would have been wiped immediately, but it would have been wiped by then because it probably would have been overwritten by more CCTV footage happening because most CCTV cameras only hold them for a certain amount of time and then end up getting overwritten. But then again, I think. As I said, just in our opinion, the police did not do a really good job with this case at all. Um, so when I up, he's after disappearing, and also it took three days for them to actually find out that he was in London. So most CCTV, really, there still would have been CCTV, but like they didn't know he was in London, so there was no like all the CCTV footage would have been there, but it was just overwritten from it. The um, how long it actually took for him to locate where he was and find out what happened, like where he, that he was in London and he wasn't in Doncaster. So, um, the investigations, the family and the police investigate that possibly that Andrew had gone to London to meet someone who he had met over the internet, but there was no evidence of this. Andrew didn't have a computer at home. Is that Kevin stated that Andrew didn't have an email address and had not set up an account on either his Xbox or PSP. The police took the computers from Gosden's house and Doncaster Library, but their digital forensic investigations found no trace of any activity by Andrew. And that's a big one. Any time I ever to I speak about this case to anybody, they always say, "Could he have been? Could he have been ground?" And I'm always like, "No," because he. He didn't. I say. I keep saying this. Anytime somebody says he could have been ground, I'm like, no. You can tell how passionate I am about this case because I am obsessed. I'm in Reddit groups. I'm in Reddit uh, forums about this case, trying to because this case is so interesting. 
And I just want to know what happened because most of the times when it comes to missing persons case, I I'm a real negative person. I'm like, no, they're probably dead. But I don't know what it is. I just have such a strong feeling that Andrew was still alive, and I want and I just I need to know what happened. Um, but couldn't have been. Um, I'm gonna just get off my opinions and now let's go back to facts. So. He didn't have a he didn't have a laptop or we didn't have a phone actually. Um he was actually known for losing his phones but theory coming up later on about that. So, um but investigators sent the unique serial number of Andrew's PSP to Sony HQ, who checked and found that there was no record of an account being set up or communication established on the device. So we didn't have a PSP um he didn't have a PSP account or a Xbox Live account. So there was no way that it could have been there was no way that it could have like <clears throat> been grooming because like it just didn't have a social media or anything. But um the Sony PSP one thousand had a DNS authentication system allowing Sony to see which PSP had connected to the internet. The only PC in the house was the sister's laptop which had only been in her possession for 8 weeks. Uh, Andrew's sister had stated that he did not seem interested in social media or connecting with people, other people through the internet as he quote just didn't seem social. A, few, a year after Andrew's disappearance the head teacher at, um, the school, at a school travelled to London with staff and the students and get handed out 15,000 leaflets so now we have all of the things and now we're going to go on to kind of theories and like um why the police think he traveled to london so after the first cctv trial when called the investigation moved on to trying to establish why andrew had decided to go to london an early theory put forward by the family was that andrew decided to take some of the take in some of the sites andrew was known to have enjoyed london and would have would visit the capital and see his grandparents aunts and uncles and family friends who lived there he also enjoyed visiting London's museums and exhibitions, and according to Andrew's dad, Kevin, Andrew also had a good knowledge of how this uh, public of how like public transport worked. He knew the layout and was confident in navigating his way around the city. Travel on buses was free for children at the time of Andrew's disappearance, and Andrew's sister travelling to London to hand out CVs when she was fourteen in order to gain work experience. Andrew's father speculated that Andrew may have been doing the same. But if like, it's just it's shot. It's mad how he didn't put like leave a note. He he would always leave notes before we left the house, but just not this morning. Why? Obviously, did he plan on? Was it a case of like he 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 didn't he didn't run away, but he was afraid of getting in trouble for it? Was it a case of like him being like of him like wanting to run away? I don't know. Just was it him running away? Did it was it? I I don't know. But um, one event identified by Kevin uh, as a possible reason for son travelling to London was the, was the 2007 YouTube gathering. However, there's no evidence that Andrew attended this event or had any interest in YouTube. The family also looked into uh, concerts that Andrew might have gone to to London to attend. The night of 
the night he went missing. 30 seconds to Mars played the Brixton Academy and Sick I'm gonna try to pronounce this right. Sickett had play, had played rescheduled farewell tour at the Carlin Academy and they were two bands that Andrew liked so it could have been possible to that he went to London. That he went to a went to a concert in London and ended up getting into like foul play and then an accident happening and then something happening but as I said I have such a strong feeling that he's alive so I'm not even gonna believe that is that well it could like I believe he's still alive I hope he's not like he was I hope he wasn't kidnapped and like is brainwashed into being with somebody and suffering with Stockholm Syndrome I really hope that's not the case um, but the venue, the two venues, uh, the venue was in Whitwa- in walking distance from King's Cross, and the sickest gig was originally scheduled for four four o'clock on the seventh of July. Uh, was to be the last show with the original vocalist, making it a unique experience. Um, but Mick Neville retired ahead of the metro metropolitan metropolitan. Police centre's image unit believed the sick theory to be plausible. He, apl- he appealed for anyone to, with photos or videos taken from the gig to come forward so that the quote super recognisers could scan the image. Neville was on the stay. This is a cana- the, there was a canal nearby, the Regrets Canal. It is unclear that this was ever dreaded or checked, although Gosden Andrew was a fan of similar metal bands. There was no evidence that he attended these shows or that he even liked these bands. Finnish band uh, HM did a promotional signing at the HMV store shop on Oxford Street on the 17th of September, which was a Monday, and performed an invitation only to the same event, evening at the Borderline venue in Soho. And the only way to get to the show was by completing various con- uh, contests and giveaways. And this lead was investigated by the family with, with the help from HIM, but it did not produce any meaningful leads. Andrew's father had also stated that he suspected Andrew might have gone to London to do something for which he felt it was easier to seek forgiveness than, to, than ask permission. And then in 2009, Andrew speculated uh, the reason for Andrew's disappearance. Did he decide to do the original parenting and reinvent themselves? Or was there something troubling him that he couldn't tell us? In my heart, I still think his disappearance was a spur of the moment thing. So if you don't know what the original Parenting is, Andrew had a favourite show and the main character was called Reginald Parent who faked his own death to go and reinvent himself. Reinvent himself somewhere else. Which could have been possible. Could be. But as I said then again we just don't know. We don't know and I, oh, I just need to know. Um. I'm sorry. This case is just very, like, special to me because I've been, I'm, up, I've been obsessed with this case. I just really want, I really want to know what happened to him. Um, but trying to think of me next theory. Um, I just, I hope he's not like. I hope he's safe. That's what I do. I hope he's alive and I hope he's safe. And I hope nothing ever happened to him. I ho- just hope that he decided to start a new life, but. Now there was a big criticism to the investigation from the police. Andrew's family were critical of the police decision to uh, concrete evidence on 
on investigating the family rather than requesting CCTV footage beyond King's Cross during the initial stages of the investigation. Andrew, uh, Kevin's dad, Kevin's dad, Andrew's dad, Kevin, claimed the police viewed him as a suspect during the initial stages and carried out an unlawfully recorded interviews and um, pressured him into revealing the reason for his son's disappearance. Kevin Galston and the wider family were cleared of any involvement. South Yorkshire Police asked the British Transport Police to search the available CCTV footage within two days of Andrew being reported missing. However, the British Transport Police could locate Galst- could not locate Galston in the crowd, so South Yorkshire Police sent an officer to London to assist with the search. After the- after this, Galst- Andrew was spotted. However, the CCTV footage from buses and the adjacent sheriff station was not requested by the authorities. Furthermore, Kevin claimed that the reported sightings of Andrew uh, at Pizza Hut and Cover Gardens were not followed up. And this happened a lot within this case. There were so many layers and sightings and stuff that were never followed up or were followed up but took ages to do so. There was one woman who, who claimed she saw him in Covent Gardens um, and it took six weeks. Six weeks for them to follow this this lady up and do and for them to talk to this woman and ask her for information. Six weeks it took them. Like not really good police work. Um and then here's possible science. An article in the Times written on the fourth anniversary of his disappearance reported that at the time 122 possible sightings had been reported from all over England, including 45 from London and 11 from Brighton. That's actually another thing. Who people are looking all over London, but who's to say he didn't get on a he got on a bus and got went to somewhere else? But Andrew's father said that there was two or three sightings within the fourth week of the disappearance. The same credible, partly because of the way the witnesses claimed Andrew spoke to them. Andrew's family believed that the most plausible sighting, was, which is the one uh, placed Andrew at Pizza Hut on Oxford Street, um, 2.6 miles, uh, which is an hour walk from King's Cross on the day he went missing. There was uh, more unconfirmed sightings on Oxford Street on the 17th of September and the next day when Andrew was said to have been sleeping in the park in Southwark. Andrew was reportedly seen getting off a local train from Waterloo to Mortlake Station on the 19th of September 2007, five days after he he went missing, then possibly walking up Shane Lane along Upper Richmond Road on the 19th of September, and it was reported that he appeared to have obtained warmer clothes. A woman reported a potential sighting of Andrew on the 17th of October, a month after he went missing in Covent Gardens. She spoke to a boy and said that he he looked like a boy she had seen on TV and was missing, but but the boy denied that he was Andrew. Later, other reported sightings were included a park in Streatham, the further field in South Wales, Birkenhead and Plymouth. In 2009, two possible sightings were reported, one outside a natural history museum, the other in a pub in South End. None of these sightings could be verified. However, according to Andrew's father, none of the sightings were followed up by the police and that the woman who reported the Covent Garden sightings was not spoken to up until six weeks after the, disappear- after the disappearance. Which, like... After it was reported. So it took them six weeks to talk to this woman. So that just proves that the police did not do a good job on this case. Like, holy moly. Um, they really didn't do a good job. Um, Hold on, let me just turn my light on because I'm kind of getting freaked out. Because it's getting dark now. 
down and I'm down in my shed. I'm just getting a bit freaked out in the dark, so I'm just gonna turn the light on. Um and <laughs> when I'm recording this it's like ten yeah, it's ten to ten when I'm recording this, so just turn the light on. Um But in November two thousand and eight a man visited Leominster Police Station in her- in the West Midlands and used the intercom system to talk to a police officer stating that he had information about Andrew. And as because it was the night in like in the evening, the intercom system was used in rather than a staff reception. By the time an officer arrived to take the details, the man had left. Police la- later appealed for him to get back in touch. And an individual claiming to be the man at the police station wrote anonymously to the BBC after it featured on the, uh, featured the case on the one show. He gave details of possible sighting of Andrew in uh, in Shrewsbury in, in November 2008. It has not been confirmed that it was the same man on both occasions, and if so, why did he not wait at the police station? Which, then again, which is still to me. Sorry, I'm just looking around for spiders. You probably can't see any, but I'm just I'm moving away from the mic because I'm looking for spiders. I'm so distracted. Um, but, they just. That one always baffles me as well, because, like, why did the man not wait? Why didn't he wait for a police officer to come down and speak to him? Did he not... Like, could it, could that have been Andrew? Could he have been, like... I don't know. Could it have been something? I don't, I, I don't know. I'm still holding on hope that he's alive. In September of 2009, age-progressed photos were released of what Andrew might look like when he at the age of 16. To mark the second year of his disappearance in November of 2009, uh, Kevin appealed to the uh, to the LGBTQ community to help find his son. Andrew's family considered the possibility that Andrew could have been struggling with his sexual orientation, and because kids who are lesbian are gay, are more likely to run away um, than to those who are straight. Um, and Kevin said, we are, pre- we are a pretty open family, so we have wondered if he was gay or struggling with a sexual identity and found it too awkward to raise. If he is gay, we do not have an issue with it. He is loved unconditionally by both my wife and I and his sister. End quote. In May 2011, the family paid a private company to conduct a sonar search of the River Thames, using the same technology that is used to locate victims and objects at sea. No trace of Andrea was found during the search, though it did find another body. Could you imagine how terrifying that would be for, like, the family finding out that a body was found? And then, like, having it be like, oh shit, is this Andrew? And then, like, not knowing if it's him, and then getting, like, that's scary, man. Like, could you imagine? Like, oh, that's sad. And that's scary. Like, <sighs> why am I doing this? I fucking. Why am I genuinely recording this at ten to at five to ten at night, freaking myself out? Oh, I just need to finish, hurry up and finish this. No, I'm just having fun down this, but I'm not like I'm just freaking myself out. I need to go in on my trans after down this. Jesus Christ, freaking myself out. Um, <clears throat> but in 2016, Andrew's parents appealed for information on the BBC's flagship current affairs tele- program called pa- Panorama. The following year, to mark the 10th anniversary of disappearance, the charity Missing People made uh, Andrew the face of their Find Every Child campaign, with Andrew featuring on billboards and advertisements throughout the UK. He also ended up on milk. What the fuck? To frighten me life, dear. I just have to get. I know I'm. 
What the fuck? I'm just like freaking myself out doing this at night. So it's playing on my mind. Holy shit, okay, I'm sorry. Let's get let's continue this. Um I'm just gonna finish this up real quickly. He's also on milk bottles. So there's the thing. On, se- on the 12th of September 2017, the police made a fresh appeal for information. A statement on the South Yorkshire Police Facebook page said that police were or had been investigating requests for similar optical prescriptions to, uh, to Andrews, requesting documents from the passport office or national insurance and circulating Gosden's Andrews DNA, fingerprints or dental and health records. The tone of the statement suggested that the police believed Andrew may be still alive. The police undertake annual checks on John Dolls in hospital. This is the last bit I'm going to read and then I'm going to stop for the night and continue this in the morning because I'm kind of freaked out now. In June 2018, the, the, uh, the Galston family said that someone had reported an online conversation with a user named Andy Rowe who claimed that their boyfriend had left them and needed £200 to cover rent. When someone offered to send the money the user claimed they did not have a bank account as they had left home when they were 14. The link was investigated by the police but the person was never identified. That is the most, I genuinely think that that's Andrew because like why like he would like it's so clear and he would know that about Andrew that is, is Parents used to call him Rail. Unless that's just, that's just a common nickname for people named Andrew. I don't know. But anyway, I'm just going to pause this and then I'm going to continue this in the morning. Because it's 10 o'clock now and it's getting dark and I'm freaking myself out. So I'll pick this back up in the morning. So see us in the morning. So it's the next day. And yeah, I'm back. <laughs> just to finish off this podcast because... I was getting a bit freaked out last night because it's getting dark. But it's broad daylight now, raining, so we're all grand. And I actually have more notes with me to deal with the case. So, where were we last? Oh yeah, Andy Rowe. So, the reason I think the Andy Rowe theory could be the the most plausible one is because... And also, this is why I think... I think Andy Rowe actually was Andrew. Because he would go into so much detail... And to so much trouble researching this case... Just to mess with the family. He would be actually... He would actually go to all that much work. I know I'm doing all this research. But I'm doing this research. Well, I didn't do what much research for this case. Because I already knew a lot about it. Like... But he would go to so much trouble... Just to mess with a family... Like, he'll be that sick and twisted to do that. It doesn't make any sense. But, another thing, i seen someone say, if Andrew is still alive, then, and the reason he probably hasn't returned home is because it's a thing with missing pe- when people go missing. They've been away for so long that they just find it hard to return home. Like, Andrew has been missing for 16 years. He only spent 14 with his family, so he's been missing more time with his... He's been missing for more time than he spent with his family. Like, Andrew would have only... If Andrew is still alive, which I really hope he did, he would have turned 32 weeks ago. So, if he is still alive, that's probably a reason why he hasn't returned home. Because he's been missing for so long. He probably doesn't know, like, his family... His family has definitely changed... 
since he left. Like Charlotte is married now. Uh, another thing that I find real cute. Cute, I don't know if that's like the right word to use. But Kevin Gustin, Andrew's dad, has kept Andrew's bed the same way since 2007. They haven't touched his bedroom. It's They haven't even changed the locks on the house. Because Andrew brought his key with him. So they think one day he could come home. And I have so much interest in this case. I really do hope Andrew is still alive. Because it would be good to see... It'd be nice to see him still alive and everything like that. And even in 2017, when it was the 10 year anniversary, Andrew's dark heaven did a sponsored silence. He stayed silent for 10 hours. One for every hour. Um, Actually, I think it could have been 10 days. No, it was 10 hours. One for every hour. Like, one hour for every year that Andrew's been missing. Which is just so sad and heartbreaking. So I really hope that he's still alive. Um, but in October 2019, Inra Edge progressed photo of Andrea was released. And I will put pictures of Andrea in the description. Um, well, I'll try if that's possible. I'll put pictures in the description. Um, I'll even put the age progressed photos in, just to ho- just because hope to hope that he's still alive. It's just so sad. Um, in July twenty eighteen, to mark Andrew's twenty fifth birthday, two updated age progressed photos were released by the family. It was also announced that the band Mills would help publicise the campaign to find Gus and to find Andrew, and apparently. Andrew's dad has constantly put money into Andrew's account if he ever needed to, to dip into it but his bank account hasn't been touched since he took the money out the morning he went missing but on the 8th of December 2021 South Yorkshire Police received an anonymous tip off and on the 11th of January 2022 two men were arrested on suspicion of kidnapping and human trafficking and they were both aged 38 and 45. The older man arrest was also connected with a possession of indecent images of kids. Both men have been released under investigation while the inquiries are still ongoing with the police but they are both believed to be forced arrests made in connection to the disappearance and the following day which so that being the 12th of January 2022 um it was announced that numerous devices had been seized from the men for forensic investigation, which police said could take six months to a year. And as of the 26th of July 2023, there has not been any more updates on those devices as of yet. But that's fucking scary. That's scary as fuck to think that he could, that he could be still alive, but he could be being human trafficked. He could be trafficked anywhere. In, like it could be in Morocco it could be in China it could be anywhere like that is just scary and sad to think about like I do volunteer voluntary work in a charity shop and one of the people who work in the charity shop with me um was telling me actually only yesterday that um that she was watching a documentary about um 
human trafficking and they said in the documentary that drugs can be only sold once a day but a child can be sold 10 times a day which is just so sad and scary and like horrible to think that like what is the world coming to where that trafficking kids and selling kids and oh my god it's just it's horrible horrible to think about but Kevin Galston thanked the public for their support and said the family did not know any more than what had been released in the police statement. And in January 2023, South Yorkshire Police said the men remained under investigation and that the devices were also still under examination. So, it's been over a year. So, like, where are these devices? But also, something that I noticed, it's a little bit interesting, but there's never, it's never been really followed up. It's just one little thing. There was um, a, a poster, um, and it was, like, it was a picture of Andrew on the side of, like, on a bus station in uh, England. And on it, it says, this kid is a liar. I don't know, that's kind of interesting. It's a bit scary to think that, like, could that person know about Andrew? Could they not? Is, is it just some random person? But I don't know. I that just it's scary to think. But now I've talked about like all the facts. Now I want to talk about theories. Now this is a theory um that someone has posted on Reddit. Now I haven't actually read this. I was just re- I was getting up something for the case while recording, and I noticed this. So I'm gonna read it out together. It's the user who actually posted has deleted their account, but the post is still up. So, and so here is the theory. Um, a lot of people speculate that Andrew w- went to some form of music gig in London today. He went missing. The reason I dispute this is because why would he not just ask his parents to go if it was so important to him? And why would a shy boy want to go to a gig alone? It's not worth the risk. Some people speculate that he was running away ho- running away from home for good, but I dispute this because why would he not take all his money and everything he needs with him? Some people think that Andrew was groomed online, but the police checked and he had no limited internet access, no personal computer, he didn't have an Xbox Live and no account on his PSP. Also, typing a sentence on a PSP took forever, so exchanges would have been extremely slow. However, I do not believe that Andrew did not have at least an email account. This would have been almost impossible. You need to sign up for absolutely everything. You probably had an account but didn't use it much, but nevertheless had one. Sorry, I just want to like, just can I just say something first? This is kind of scary because I was only thinking about going to a concert myself, like by myself next year, Taylor Swift. I got tickets, but this was when she first came. I was like, because when you had to register, I was like, if I get selected, I'll just go on my own. But luckily, my friend got me and her tickets. So, love you, Quiva. So, um, anyway, moving on. Um, some people hypothesise that Andrew committed suicide. Why would he go to one of the busiest cities in the world to do it? Where in London would he have done it without being seen and without a body ever being found? I kind of agree, I agree with that one, but a lot of people, they say that, like, because his parents said that London was one of his favourite cities, it, it's possible that he went to spend one last day doing the stuff he enjoyed before we did it and done, possibly done it in the, in the Thames. I don't, I don't know. Again, this is all just theories. But although there is a lack, an obvious lack of evidence, we do know a few things. We know Andrew thought this trip was uh, a 
through at least a little. He waited in the park for his family to leave for the day. He placed his blazer in the washing machine before we left it to make it appear he was home in the afternoon. He had been planning to dye his hair black before we left. Actually, yeah, because I was only thinking that because I didn't actually know that until I pulled up Wikipedia um, to get me research. Like, that, while I was recording this, it was when I found it that Andrew wanted to dye his hair black before we left. So, something I didn't know. But, um, he also wore his favourite t-shirt um, to London that day. That makes me think he wanted to look his best. Some people think it's strange he didn't buy a return ticket, but would you if you had to re- if you've been offered a lift home? I am sure he planned to come home that afternoon. He had taken his house keys with him. The only theory which fits this evidence in my mind is that poor Andrew was groomed nearby in Doncaster. There was another piece of evidence which fits this theory. The two days before Andrew broke his routine and walked home from school quite a long walk was actually time he spent planning his getaway with this person. Um alright board, route or seagull, whatever. But I must have been pleased now because of that seagull. So hold on, sorry. Um possibly in an internet cafe or on a skill computer or payphone. For a reason that we may never know, Andrew and his person had arranged to meet in London that Friday, where I believe the grooming accord was during the Young, Gifted and Talented programme, which he had participated in during the summer. Remember, Andrew went missing on the 14th of September, only a few weeks after participating in this programme. Now, I want to interrupt that again, because that is actually, I had that theory as well. I was like I was gonna bring that TV up after I read this one out, but I had actually thought that as well. Where he could have been groomed during the Young, Gifted, and Talented program by like a leader or something or someone who ran the group. Or he could have been he just could have been groomed during that. I said. His father said in a Vice article, "Quote: Andrew was too clever." Uh, remembers Kevin he tended to say little about school and we remember him coming back from the summer school for gifted and talented kids and he was absolutely enthused about what he had been doing to be honest I think Andrew uh, saw school as something you sort of had to do just to, in order to have choices to open for your adult life clearly Andrew uh, got on well with the people at the programme and really enjoyed himself to my understanding this is not a typical school day the kids do probably all sort of different things maybe they do science experiments one day and computer coding the next they would have met visitors from different backgrounds explaining different things my point being that he probably been introduced to lots of different people possibly going on tours to places even volunteers could have been involved helping out maybe he met some of the kids other parents or brothers or uncles when they picked their kids up my theory doesn't explain what uh, actually happened to Andrew after King's Cross, but what do you guys think? Has anyone ever attended this programme when they were younger? According to the website, they no longer run this programme due to budget cuts. I 100% agree with that theory, because that was, that was a theory that I had myself. Because um, I was like, what if he was groomed at the young, gifted and talented programme? Like... We like we genuinely don't know, but that's just a theory. And I was like, because because with the theory that he was possibly groomed, you have to kind of think outside of online grooming. He could have been groomed, like in person. He could have been groomed at the young, gifted, and talented program. Like you have to think outside online. And I was thinking maybe what if that what if he was groomed with that? And as I said, we don't know, but it it is a possible theory. It is possible. 
Right, now I'm going to talk about my personal theories and what I think happened. And then we're going to go back on to more theories. So I think, may, as the same that person said, he was groomed as the young, gifted and talented programme. But then I also think that if he is still alive... I think that Andy Rue person could be actual Andrew because who genuinely who would go to that much? Because not many people knew that um a bit that Andrew was called Rue by his parents. So who would go to that much effort to do research to find nicknames by his par- by that he was called by his parents to just to mess with a family? Like who would do that? Who would go to that much trouble? Um, but. I do think I don't think he's a liar. I know I, I do think he's a liar, but obviously we are, we always have to go and think about like possible things that if he is because he's been gone for so long, it's just could be if he is if he was killed that night, he could have gotten he could have went to the gig and he just got into an accident and like caught himself. Um. And or was killed like in a hit and run or something, or the, or the person hit him, uh, got out of his car, put the body in the back, and then like brought him somewhere and buried him. Maybe that, but then a the body would have been found. But another theory that I have is about why he didn't buy a return ticket. Maybe he was planning on staying in a family member's house that night after the gig. He would have went back and be like, "Oh hey, I'm in London for the day." Um, can I just stay here which is for the night and then get a, a try and back in the morning maybe that could have happened as I said we don't we genuinely just we don't know but I have a lot of theories um, and I just he could have been I don't want to I don't want to think that he's dead I don't want to think that he was killed I do really want to I do hope that he is still alive but as I said we just don't know but what, who was that person that went and tried to go to the police and left the police station? Why did he not stay? Was that Andrew possibly? I don't know. It's just my personal opinion is that. Now, I try not to put my opinion in too much. But when it's an unsolved case, you kind of it's kind of difficult. Because there's no, like, there, there is the facts. But then beyond what we know is all about opinions. So, like... And it's kind of like an an unwritten rule about true crime videos and true crime podcasts that you can't put opinions in to the case. But if it's an unsolved case, you kind of you kind of have to. But I'm not. I am going to do a few unsolved cases. Like I already have next week's case that I'll be planning out. That's another unsolved one. Yeah, I apologize for the unsolved ones, but I only do that just two that are really relevant. In my little true crime obsession. Um, well they're relevant at the minute. Because they're just like so fascinating. But. You'll find more about that next week. Um, but. I think. That he was. He's still alive. But now we're going to move on to more theories. Because there's a lot of theories about this. Because as I said earlier on. I'm in a true. I'm in a reddit. I'm in a Reddit forum about about this case, so I'm gonna read through some of the theories that people in that have. So this was only posted 16 hours ago, um, they po- uh, they posted by user Electronic L said, "Why didn't he take more clothes? The thing to me that's so weird about all this stuff is the 
because the fact you bought a one-way train ticket, you would think you'd bring more stuff. That's the possibility. The poss- that's why the possibility ran away is so odd to me. You would think you'd bring um, his charger or some clothes. I'm just curious to this, but why is but is there a way to track a PSP like with the serial number? This is a huge possibility that you've already done this, but I've seen I haven't seen anything about it. So just curious. I also know this is a probably frequently asked question, but if anyone could give me more details, although there probably aren't more, please let me know. I truly hope this boy is okay. Lots of love to his family. Yeah, I like that's another thing. He didn't take he didn't take that many clouds that night. So like what could then that could tie into like staying with a family member. And another theory that I see him floating around is that if he is dead, then he could have fallen into the hands of like a serial killer. And like that serial killer was never caught. But then there's another thing that I just actually remember just there. Another young flip went missing a couple of weeks a couple of weeks or a couple of months later, around the same age as Andrew. And he was never found either. So I do think it could have been something to do with a serial killer. I don't know. It could be, but then again, as I said, I really like to think that Andrew was still alive. So I'm but the thing that really annoys me is that there's so little media coverage on this case. Like I'm being completely honest with you, I only know about this case because of TikTok. Because I seen about I seen someone talk about it on TikTok, and that's how I know about it. But it's so, there's so little media coverage, and this is the same year that Madeleine McCann went missing, and there's so much media coverage on her. And obviously, yeah, I do get it because Andrea was a lot older. It's like looked as like he made his own decision and Mad- Madeline was a kidnap but like there we don't know Andrews could have been a kidnap as well when he got to London we don't know but obviously I understand Madeline Madeline's is so much bigger because she was such she was so young um and it was on holidays but still I, Andrews deserves a bit of coverage as well like I I like my other true crime friends that love true crime as well always slag me for obsessing about this case but i'm so passionate about this case because i just i i fail for the young flip i want to know what happened to him so like please just i hope i can get other people fascinated and interested about this case as well with this with today's podcast i also saying on this um on this on the reddit post that there is um, someone said that they found an account named Andy Rao that was a PSN account and it disappeared within the last couple of weeks. So, no, if that's something to go off, but it could be. But another thing that I also want to talk about is that they never really, with all the theories and suspicions that Andrew took his own life in London that day, it's kind of been disproved by his father, Kevin. And I've actually been really considering but also really hesitant about contacting Kevin because he, there is his email is out there for, um, and I've just been very hesitant about doing it just because I'm just I do feel so heavily for them and want this case to be done justice and for him to be found alive and well but I'm just I don't know I'm like really like, hasn't I had an email I have an email written out and it's just sitting in my drafts but I'm just really hesitant about sending it. But is um there's a book out there called Have You Seen Me and it's 
10 different missing persons stories and he had the, the author of that book actually did reach out to Kevin and um gave him all the information he needed so I think that will help not um that will help me with this and like give me all the information and stuff that I need but you can just see in all these interviews that his family have done you can see all like the pain and the hurt in them that I don't really it's just that just kind of make, makes me think I don't know should I contact them but with this book hopefully it gives me all the information that I need for this case and because I still have a lot more info that I want to talk about but in the book it actually says that um Andrew and Sharla had a close-knit relationship because there was only two years between them um and it said it actually says here just like a lot of kids in the mid 2000s and were only two years between them they were close and could confide in each other but Andrew didn't mention anything to her about having the desire to run away Kevin believes that because of the closeness of their sibling relationship that Andrew would have trusted Charlotte and told her if he was going to run away for good he would have at least left something behind but he didn't. He also says quote I think that if Andrew was worried about something and he didn't want to speak to us I think he would have spoken to Charlotte. They were very close. I think Charlotte lost a best friend as well as a brother when he went missing. And he also said quote if there was anything in the world that he would have confided if there was anyone in the world that he would have confided any issues in it was his sister and he didn't charlotte was involved in an antique bullying campaign at school so if andrew had any issues he'd likely tell her but we know we could trust what she would deal with that but and i know and now he could trust what she would deal with that information so it's just there's another thing the theory about him wanting to run away could have been like disproved is it is kind of been disproved but I I don't know. It's it's just it's it's a a lot at the end of the day. I'm like stopping. I'm starting the podcast uh, at where I'm like last picking up. Just like that's why there's so many cuts in the podcast because I'm constantly stopping and starting. But I'm actually I was actually reading through the the chapter on Andrew here and. The gig that was actually on in London that day that is that is like that is where they suspect Andrew to have went um on the was for um Sil- Sicket um and so on the page on the last FM page for the show there were all the new tickets the ticket that was issued for stated that the doors would be open at 4pm but the newer ticket which presumably was pr- uh, printed after the changes were made to the show schedule and lineup said that the doors opened at 7pm the lineup was great for the time eight bands in total including architects barbarous cry for silence and sick all for the low cost of 12 pounds Per ticket, in the comment section of the page for the event users chatted about the logistics of getting to the venue. People travelled great distances uh, to see the show. Fans came from around the UK and even as far as Stockholm. And this is where I've actually noticed and it gets a little bit interesting. One user commented, Can anyone tell me how quick I could walk from the gig back to King's Cross Station? Could I make the half 10 try And then it 
goes on to say, interesting, this was the type of scenario I imagine Andrew might have gotten himself into, but ha- having discovered that he was a pro when it came to making his way around London, that he'd been going there for years, I scratched it off the list. Actually, yeah. See, but then, it could, but then I just feel like that could that have been Andrew just trying to dub- make double check. Um, but then it then also says, I still felt like that he maybe wanted to see a concert, but knew it would, he couldn't make it to King's Cross for the last train home, and that was the reason he rejected the return ticket at Doncaster Station. Maybe he travelled to pl- he planned to travel to one of his rel- relatives' home and stay there tonight, and he planned to get the earliest tr- train home back that morning. And then it goes on to say, then perhaps maybe crossed paths with the wrong person. And I'm going to continue to read out a little bit more about this book. Um, then it goes on to say, then perhaps something happened, maybe crossed paths with the wrong person. Anyone, anyone want to buy my ticket for £10? Asked another last FME was on the page. Did Andrew plan to meet someone to buy tickets? Certainly possible. If Andrew had the original ticket that st- stating that the show started at 4pm, it did make sense he'd get to London. King's Cross as early as he did. He likely planned to arrive midday to get his bearings with time to spare. Maybe catch a museum e- exhibit as he usually did while in the city. Maybe, I don't know, but then Kevin did actually say on a podcast, on the Tinner podcast, uh, quote, our initial thought was that he'd gone to do something or see something he wouldn't have been given permission for because it was an after school day. He probably thought, it's it's okay, I'll end up at my uncle or grandparents. Um, and then the author goes on to say when I asked him he told me he never mentioned Sicket it didn't really matter what the theory is or there are plenty of them all plausible but now how much time had passed it doesn't really help us then it just goes on to say and talk about stuff that we already know it also says here that in the UK one person is reported missing every 90 seconds and 180,000 people are reported missing every year and one in 200 of those people missing is a child most kids are found um within 48 hours but most of those aren't are found within two weeks and then there's kids like andrew who never resurface according to the literature on the website the most common reason for the for a person to go missing is problem with mental health trouble at home including violence abuse and neglect and relationship problems as well as homelessness and sexual abuse um, we can, and then it says we can rule out homeless, homelessness. Andrew had a stable environment with his own personal space at his personal house, his his parents' house in Balby in your in Doncaster, and he didn't want for anything. And they actually, it's so sad because the the, the initial finger was pointed on the family and on Kevin. The police pressured him and just pointed the finger trying to say that he neglected and murdered Andrew which is so sad and it's what makes it even worse is that Kevin because of all of this this caused Kevin to nearly commit suicide luckily he survived the attempt but he like that just makes me think if what if he hadn't survived that attempt would he would the police have stopped searching and then just been like, ah, oh, now he did that, and just make him making him look guilty. Could that? Could the police have done that? Who knows? But as we all know, Madeleine McCann went missing that same year, and it actually says here, um, 
Honestly, several months before Andrew went missing, he watched Neil's report on the high-profile case of missing child Madeleine McCann. In a brief exchange, he and Kevin chatted about how much of a nightmare it must have been to be in that situation. So, that's just real ominous and scary to think about how that ended up happening like in a couple of couple of months later but then it actually goes on to say about the Andy Rue thing um, but it says uh, I'm just going to read it out again but obviously we already know in the summer of 2018 Kevin Gosden was contacted by an individual who claimed they may have talked to Andrew online the individual claimed that the, the user on reddit named quote Andy Rue had made a request for help with £200 in rent as quote a partner had walked out on them and was in short of cash. When the user uh, asked for his bank account, he claimed that he didn't have one after leaving home when he was 14. He went on to explain that he had no problems at home but just felt like leaving. The user uh, attempted to casually extract information and found out that Andy Rowe worked in a shop in Lincoln. Lincoln is just over 40 miles away from Doncaster, around an hour's drive by car. Kevin believed the story to be credible, stating that not many people knew Andrew's family nickname was Rue. However, the detail had been previously published in the media before the news of this interaction became public knowledge. Regardless, Kevin didn't want to miss out on the potential opportunity to find his son, and the Gosden family made a trip to Lincoln, where they handed out thousands of flyers. They targeted small shops and cafes, as well as local healthcare services and opticians. If Andrew was there, it would have been likely to lead a sighting, but nothing came of that, and a few failed tips that led to nothing. Andrew is still missing. Which is just absolutely terrifying and sad to think about that... I just I would really like to know what came of that, and like, if that person who was the Andy Rare account was just taking the mick, that is disgusting. Like, how could you do that to someone? How? But I think this I don't know. See, it's never been revealed what the forum was, or if it was a chat room or anything. So the Reddit, it being on Reddit could be could be true, but. I don't know. I actually seen about this book through Reddit as I was looking through the posts. But like, it, I'm reading through the Reddit here and someone pointed out about a psychic. Not sure if this has been discussed before but has the family or police ever sought the help of a psychic and if so, what was the outcome? This is by no means a, a post that's back to be on the pros slash cons of psychics or individuals scepticism. Uh, towards such people. I know the police have used psychics to great effects in some cases such as murders and missing pe- missing persons such as this one. Anyone interested look up Sylvia Brown all the proof of why you need high profile true crime cases shouldn't be using psychics. <laughs> I'm actually gonna look that up after this Um, but like it's just it's so sad to think about and I'm actually not gonna pause anymore. I'm gonna keep going while I'm reading through the Reddit and I'm just not gonna stop and pausing and read them out as I'm going. Someone else says, advertising at music festivals, we are all uh, very different people to the person we were when we were at age 14. 
music is one of the few things that we can connect us back to that time as a heavy metal fan i can see i certainly still like to listen to music and bands i've listened to when i was young i wonder if any posters with the uh, pertinent information of andrew's case has ever been placed at music festivals with so many people attending the world connected the well connected to fans of modern day it strikes me as a good way of spreading the word the big uk festival downland would have been a good idea but bloodstock and damnation are still to come in the uk maybe a couple of posters can be spread to help help spread awareness and then someone then a comment was i know that was been done for other missing persons during it was the reading f- i have to click on that by accident during it was the reading festival 2005 or six i had or 2005 or six i had to do a double take i'm a big fan of manic street preachers and their long slash missing as, as slash officially assumed dead fourth member Richie Edwards. Richie's life and lyrics and disappearance have always been an interest to me. In fact, when he was my first missing person case, it was just the it was just saying it amongst other missing posters that it was truly heartening to know that he wasn't forgotten and efforts were still being made. I think if it's not getting done for Andrew it is already pursu- it's worth pursuing and at a simple low cost of getting more riots going out forward and looking for me may have encountered over the years especially if he was in london to attend a concert or a fan group me etc i do think that is a good idea to like <clears throat> do that and to try because it, it's all about just trying at the end of the day you could be still alive um then there's another one here i'm actually i need to start talking about theories i'm gonna have a look for theories now in a second i'm gonna say it should have read it but there's two posts i'm gonna read through this one possibility possibility of him being offered a lift after andrew was last seen exiting king's cross they claimed there was a sign of him at pizza hall for let for let's say it let's say is true is it possible after we could have been offered a lift sydney crook of uh one of Britain's most notorious paedophile said he used to offer lifts to kids around the King's Cross area to groom them. Then I took them to then took them to his pedo meets. Um, while he was getting, whilst he could have been for, could have been him for obvious reasons, we notoriously know for him associating himself with pedo gangs, and it is a possible other followed his tactics. Is it possible this happened? It is a possibility. It is a sorry. I mean, just how laptop just literally lagged there. It is a possibility, but I don't know. Like, it is. It could, I'm actually. We need to look him up. Actually, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna I mean, how laptop is just. Um, Sydney Crook. Sydney Cook. Hello. <sighs> how laptop's just a freezing. Sydney Cook. You know what? I'd be quicker looking up on my phone. This laptop's being so slow. There it is. Sydney Cook. <sighs> Hello. I'm gonna, I'm just looking up on my phone. It'd be much quicker. Sydney. Sydney. Cook. I mean, how laptop is to freezing again? There we go, we're back. At least the podcast is still recording. Um, Sydney Cook is an, is a convicted child molester and suspected serial killer. 
serving two life sentences. He was the leader of a paedophile ring suspected of murder up to 20 young boys in the 1970s to the 1980s. So when was he locked up? I'll find that out. Um, when was he locked up? Um, um, okay, hold on. I need to pause this because this case, this like whole case of him sounds very interesting. So I want to just like read through it and then I'll be back just because who knows this could be a future podcast okay so I don't know about doing the case of Sydney Cook because even though it is like an interesting case he does seem to tag like young like really young kids like most of his victims well his confirmed victims were like six seven eight year olds like oh it's absolutely disgusting and horrible like I, I'll be I'm willing to do anything but if it involves young very young kids like below the age of 10 don't really know about doing it but now I'm after oh me mic <laughs> just does this if you ever like blow into it or as I just did a big side here it like cause all weird and poppy but Sidney Cook, all his crimes were around the eighties and seventies. So, about it being him, obviously not possible because he was locked up. But it's about like paedophiles taking, um, like what's the word? Taking ins- inspiration from him is possible because a lot of like criminals take inspiration from other p- criminals from other famous criminals. Like, um, it is a weird thing to do, but, um, so, but a comment here, I remember when I was in London, I was actually attending an interview, but I looked young for my age, I was 19 at the time, a black guy, foreign accent, not native to England, basically, quickly approached me, uh, as soon as I was going to exit King's Cross, and said something like, quote, I need help in my car, can you come, and tried to guide me with his hands, in which I replied, no thanks, and walked off, that it's crazy to think how many, how many would have gone with people like that, I'm not sure if the younger sort would have just gone thinking nothing of it, like, yeah, that is scary, and then someone put here, and it's a long one, um, I think it, even pitch 221, says, I think it sort of is actually much more than rare, and people appear to think, I moved to London from a fairly small town when I was 18, and had visited periodically on my own, on day trips when I was 16, 17, this was in the late mid noughties and I was taught massively, I was not massively streetwise as I had grown up in the city, and despite being tall, I was quite baby faced and definitely looked younger than I was. I would spend a fair amount of time in the King's Cross slash Euston Road area where there was places I liked to visit and I can honestly say I never once felt unsafe there. Was a, uh, was approached randomly other than the usual people asking for change etc and never saw or heard anything like that happening to anyone else I knew. Of course you will get the odd strange encounter as you would in any major transport transport hub in a capital city but the idea of area was craw- but the idea that the area was crawling with predatory paedophiles waiting to snatch kids off the street 
just doesn't match up with reality. Even if you were a predatory paedophile waiting to, wanting to snatch a kid, uh, would you choose to do so in one of the most hev- heavily monitored parts of one of those heavily monitored cities on earth? Probably not. Later on in life, he spent a lot of t- time working with homeless young people in the King's Cross area. Um, it's just King, King's X, but I'm assuming King's Cross. But there were... Uh, they were of course vulnerable to be taken advantage of and many had been, many had been but they were also very aware of the dangers and would say that it was actually much safer than anywhere else in London because they had the strength in numbers. It is it is possible and is sad to think but obviously like a lot of people say that King's Cross is uh, such a good um such like a heavily guarded and monitored safe secure city not saying that it isn't but these are people that were like living that have lived there or like know that area so it's just i don't know i'm going off track here and i'm getting distracted right now let's get into a few theories this podcast is already getting long enough but like i kind of want the podcast to be long like i want have long stories and long episodes for people to enjoy um, and not just rush through them I want to really like do this properly and stuff um, but this person posted in the subreddit quietly positive Andrew's case will be resolved I tried to stay away from this page in case because it makes me very sad my heart breaks not only for Andrew but his family I truly hope a resolution for his family especially his dad Kevin isn't a incredibly dignified man who should be so proud but of the way he has shown up for his son i hope someday kevin and the rest of the family can have some peace at mind peace of mind although i fear whatever the outcome there will be no peace i hope at least they know and feel that they did all they could for, for andrew i think andrew was groomed and lured to london with the promise of an event most likely a gig or something fun he definitely thought he would be, he would be coming back and if so I'm wondering if the initial groomer was local or someone closer to his home time. If not, there was grooming possibly through skill slash the net. Andrew seemed like a bit of an outcast and that made him a prime candidate for groomers. Unfortunately, these groomers are smart and incredibly manipulative and like a lot of abusers, they can sniff out their prey or at least they can over time. They can sniff out their prey easily or at least they can over time. I do feel like we we will. I do feel like we will know what happened to him because I think this was a trafficking ring and uh, someone will talk eventually. The police need to apply the right pressure and do the dirty work in the dark, dark world, and maybe they've they already have the intel. If this was not a ring, just an individual, I believe the individual would have got more confident and bold with his awfulness and joined with, with like-minded people. So there will be evidence somewhere. I'm so sorry to say but I don't think he is alive and I think this is primarily because his family were so vocal and active right from the start that made it too risky to keep him. I wish Andrew uh, peace through space and time and if we do get and if we do and if we do get another go at this life thing I hope his next life is so much more beautiful and I hope Andrew can say slash fail the love of his family and have had and have for him sometimes when you're young you don't always say it or feel it. I don't know. Again, this is all like me personally. I genuinely want to believe he's alive, but I don't. I don't. I don't know. But and then I'm just gonna read through a few comments. Um, 
I think some the first comment is I think people know too recently many stories have are being closed to be close to being resolved and maybe in the next few months slash years. Madeleine McCann, the, the Delphine murder and even the Tara Caliso case, which is an even older case, and so on. Seeing all those all those news makes me believe there's no chances. But also, a case from like years ago, the boy in the box, that was solved last year. Like that's coming up in a year of that being solved. Of, of not even being solved, but him being identified. Like that case has been going what, seventy years? The boy in the box like that case been going seventy years and they were finally able to get some sort of resolution for it, like not even resolution, but they were able to find an an identity. I'm looking that case up now and saying when exa- how long exactly it was going for before they actually identified him. Like I that's why I have hope because so many cases are getting resolved lately. I just really, really hope we can find a resolution for this. My laptop being slow, so I'm just gonna go on to um my phone and just look it up. So it's quicker. The boy in the box. Oh no, there it is. Nineteen fifty-seven was when the boy in the box was uh found, and they didn't. They couldn't identify him, but they finally have identified him. And they identified him last year. As so, like. <sighs> was actually December so it was in December oh no October 2021 he was his, his identity was revealed 65 years that case was was unsolved for and they finally have an identity so it's not to say that Andrew will never be solved it, I just hope that it is solved soon and then in our comment goes, just because there's new theories doesn't mean solved. The Maddie McCann case is still a complete mystery until physical evidence is found. And the Delphi murders are classic examples of the police luring from one theory to the next because because they're stumped. The statements released by the police show how utterly clueless they are. Bridge guy is 100% not that fat little tour that got arrested for, uh, for child porn. So against nothing other than theories which are plenty regarding Andrew. So I just I don't we don't know and then another person goes yeah people are very pessimistic here about arrests made in December 2021 but I still believe that they would have publicly linked the, those arrests to Andrew if there was just a weak link between the, the two men and Andrew i.e. if they mentioned Andrew online I maybe had a picture of someone who resembled Andrew but there was no way of knowing if that was actually him this case has been has been had no movement at, at all since 2007 so for the police to come out and say they made an arrest on the Andrew Gosling case I'm positive about a resolution sooner or later and that's the way it is for a lot of people especially for me I'm hoping for a resolution soon Um, and like I'm going to read out these last two comments and I'm going to look for another theory I think you are correct Andrew was des- dressed for a day trip he was to come home that day with someone he trusted I believe he knew the quer- person quite well I'd have to say he was coming back in a car that could be the key to this case also that was a very beautiful piece he wrote about Andrew and his family well done and then lo- London to Doncaster has a four hour drive on a good day plus very few people would drive long distance into central London it's much slower and more difficult than the train 
if it was groomed and slash kidnapped, then I don't see how pr- the promise of a lift home would be any more reassuring than to just take the train home, especially as he'd already made the journey on his own. And yeah, I deal with it's just we need personally, I think everybody just needs why did Siri just go off? Siri, stop. Personally, we just. I'm I'm hoping it's resolved soon because Andrew's family deserve answers. Not like like it's just we. I know a lot of people, including myself, are real fascinated about this case and doing all the research and especially people in the subreddit. We are all fascinated about this case and like but we want to know what happened. Andrew's parents need and deserve to know what happened. Because it's their child at the end of the day, and it's 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 Charlotte's brother. They want to know what happened. They deserve to know what happened. And if they can get that before we do, then if that's all that really matters at the end of the day. Because to us, it's just an interest in a case, and it's it it is a sad case. But to them, that's their that's their son and their brother, and they just. It's so sad, and that's why I'm doing this podcast today because I really, really want pe. I want to get Andrew's story out there, and I want people to take the time and listen to this hour and a half podcast, or possibly even longer. But I want people to sit down and listen to this over an hour podcast, and if they can share it and find some way of getting Andrew's story out there, so that more people know, so that he, they he can be found. So it's just, yeah, that's all I have to say, really. And on that note, I'm going to read out one more theory that I seen in the comment section on the Reddit because this podcast is getting quite long. So I'm just going to read this last theory and then finish up for today. Um. So it says here um about possibility of Andrew being, if he was kidnapped... Because the actual post is, um, the post is, if he was still alive post-2007, surely he would have attempted to contact the outside world. Obviously, if kidnapping occurred, then the people would have prevented this. What I mean, I guess, is if, if in the 15 years since, uh, would there be really have been a chance, would there really have never been a chance of communication? Is it normal for people to be in prison for that long? And then, so like, I'm going to read out this one first, then I'm going to read out the actual uh, one that I was going to properly read out to, to, to read out. If alive and left at his own free will, he would have had necessarily attempted to con- he wouldn't have necessarily co- attempted to contact anyone. You only need to see documentaries such as Looking for Mike to see that some people live to start a new a new life. It was only when he died that they realised he didn't exist. Unfortunately, in this case, I think he. Either met up or bumped into someone or several unsavoury characters. It is quite possible that he is alive and not able to communicate. There are several cases where victims have been held against their will for several years, including family members. If Andrew was a victim of trafficking, then it's even more unlikely he would be able to make contact. Personally, I would be too scared to try to even make contact, and after a couple of years and the damage to mental health, Stockholm Syndrome, etc. 
I would most likely forget any contact numbers and resign myself. That's just me. We don't know Andrew hasn't tried, but we don't even know if he's still in the UK or alive. One of the most frustrating cases that should have been solved, even if the outcome wasn't good, if the police had actually taken it seriously. Yeah, I agree. And then here's the other one that I was going to read you. Normal? No. Possible? Yes. There are cases like that which... When I read into me, when I read into it, my main conclusion was that uh, psychologically, it was that what keeps the victims from contacting the outside world. Uh, Natasha Kampuskus, don't know if I said that right. For example, was always that guy who kept her kept her imprisoned. Will just start to shoot random people if she escapes. There are many ways to keep a person in prison, not physically but also mentally. In Andrew's case, he seemed to be good with his family. If someone if someone imprisoned him and told him they might hurt his family if he tries to escape, that would be a scenario where we might really doesn't where it would be a scenario where he might really doesn't try it. But its possibilities are endless. What happened to him? I hope he is still alive and not imprisoned. But I actually don't think he is still alive after all this time and it. Is be- and if it is between dead or imprisoned, I actually root for dead, as hard as it is to say, but that might be the better outcome for him if it comes to that choice. And I do agree that, like, it could have been, like, some, like, type of thing. I do, I hope he's still alive, but I hope he's not under them circumstances. I just hope that, like, he's he is alive and he does end up he does end up he does end up getting found because this these are the type of cases that I'm talking about that are not getting much media attention this case could be solved so quickly if it got if it was given more of like high priority in the media if it was given much more media attention there's like so many people in the world there's 8 billion people in the world there's 8 there's like Load so many possibilities of where Andrew could be, and like, put if this isn't given the media attention that it deserves, like it just it needs more, more like views and more people to talk about it because the more people that know about this case, like the more people that know about this case, the more chance there is a found like there's six there's sixty seven point thirty three million people in the UK. If ITV News was to put this on the news and talk about it as much as they're doing it with the Madeleine McCann case, the chances of Andrew being found go right up. Like it's just we need people need to start talking about this case more and need to start bringing attention to it. And that's all I have to say for today. So thanks for listening to today's podcast. I've, I have really enjoyed doing this today's podcast because this is a case that, as I said, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to do for so long, um, and even before I was turning this into a tr- even before I started the podcast, I wanted to do it on the old podcast as well, um, but I just didn't. I just wanted. I want to get this case out there and more attention on this case. So yeah, that's all I have for you guys today. Thanks for listening to Coffee and Crime. I hope you enjoyed the crime and the coffee. And I hope if you just please share this case for Andrew's family. Just share it and get it, get the word out there so that people know that more about it.
but thanks for listening. Uh, I'll be back next week at the regular time of three for um. I don't know whether to say the the next cases at the end of it because I don't want people to Google the case beforehand. You know, I'm just gonna tell you this week. This week's next week's podcast is gonna be about is gonna be the Lars Mittank story and that is another unsolved missing persons case. So we're gonna have a lot of fun with that next week. That's sarcasm, by the way, because well, we will because see, missing person cases aren't fun to do because. It just wrecks your head while you're doing them because you're like thinking the theories, your brain's on overdrive, but you're also trying to record. But yeah, I want to talk about Lars, Lars' story. Don't do any Googling because you're going to want to enjoy it. So yeah, I'm going to go now and go and relax because I'm wrecked. I just sat up and filming an hour and a half podcast. So I'll see you all next week. Bye.